0: If you play a board game, the first thing I explain to you when we start going is how you win. Most people haven't defined what winning is. So they're on a treadmill. They just keep on going and going and going and going. And the only objective of this year is to be better than last year. That's not. That's very, very hard to motivate you. And it's very, very hard to let you understand what success feels like. And also, if that is your victory condition, you'll stumble as soon as something like what we experienced last year happens. Whereas for me, I simply have... I still have to fulfill my condition of victory, no matter what happens. So all I've got to do is find out in the new game state that exists, how do I play my next, my next hand? And that's why we, you know, we adapted within minutes and hours of uh, losing our revenue down to zero last year. Uh, and we were able to, because we simply worked out, well, what is the next step we have to take moving forward towards victory?
1: This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number 196, with the founder of The Missing Link, Rich Mulholland.
2: This is Squadron Leader confirming hostiles inbound. Prepare for battle. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right liberty we choose to go to the moon it's happening and all things geek yeah i'm not sure i know how to answer that uh you got a badass over here welcome to the angles of latitude podcast
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, JC Preston, connector of amazing people and great ideas. And joining me as co-host once again is Andy Dix, coach for executives, founders, idealists, and social entrepreneurs. This, of course, is the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists so that you too can find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that you're proud of. You know, as we're rounding the final stretch of season five here on the AOL podcast, there's been a A few themes we've been uh, learning about in the last year. A couple have been, uh, one, your why and your passion is is great to know, but it will only get you so far. Uh, There will be days when you're actually going to have to rely on your purpose to get you through the hard parts in your your life and business. And as we're moving past the effects of the pandemic, much of the world is realizing the possibilities which have been available to us in this so-called online business space for years and that being the case podcasting courses and online stages are becoming more of the norm and interestingly enough someone who's realized both of these truths is today's guest rich maholland rich is the founder of the missing link a company he's been running since 1997 to help people make presentations that as he says don't suck specifically in the corporate arena. And if you feel like your presentations have been missing the mark in today's Zoom-oriented world, then there's probably a few things you can learn from Rich. Specifically in our conversation today, Rich shares with us why most entrepreneurs fail to take their company to the next level, how we can be in sync with the audience and anticipate what's going to be important to them, and how we can make sure we're always on top of the newest tech going forward. But before we get into that, let's talk about Groove Digital a little bit and how that journey is going. Well, I have to admit, uh, things are going particularly well. Uh, Recently, the team over at Groove added Groove Blog, which with a few clicks, you can have a functional blog right away. And not only that, but it functions a lot like posting a post on, say, Medium or LinkedIn. If you're familiar with those platforms, it's uh, pretty intuitive. Uh, But perhaps you want more than just a blog for your site. Maybe you want to create a a new store or maybe you have a a new course that you want to uh, promote and and build. Um, You can you can build all the above. And in fact, if I wanted to create, say, something like Fizzle, which, you know, I talk about all the time, uh, which has landing pages, a library of courses, a blog and a few other elements, uh, you wouldn't have to hack WordPress to, to do it on Groove, uh, nor would you have to use a third-party affiliate program uh, to keep track of your members' sales. That's all right in the full CRM package. Uh, anyway, this past week, I learned something else I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, Groove isn't always going to have a lifetime offer. And in fact, it's current lifetime price of just under 1400 I think it's like 1397 is eventually going to go up to 2500 by the end of the year. And then when all the components in the platform are finished, they're going to move to a monthly model where a user will have to pay anywhere from 100 to 200 bucks a month to use it. So that said, uh, I would say do yourself a favor and get on the beta level. And if you use my affiliate link, newinceptions.com slash digital, I'll be sure to help you uh, get caught up when uh, that comes through. And not only that, but I'll also share all the templates I've collected along the way uh, since I've joined myself since October. Uh, so that way you can add a little bit of a booster shot to uh, your experience. So again, join me on the journey by going over to newinceptions.com GrooveDigital, or you can try it for free at newinceptions.com freegroove free Groove. Before we get into today's conversation, remember, you too can get in on it. Uh, All you have to do is share with us on social media the thoughts. The conversation has stirred up for you. Also, be sure to leave a comment on wherever you're listening to the show on. Uh, Doing so will not only get you involved, but it will help other people find the show. And in fact, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I'll be sure to read it in an upcoming session. And while you're at it, share this episode with someone you would think could benefit from it. I'm sure they'll thank you. Also, remember, if you need help in scaling your business, drop us a message at, hey guys, at newinceptions.com with any of your questions. Whether you need advice or a strategic introduction to other amazing people, we love to help our listeners in any way that we can. Show notes and show notes extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 196. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston, and Andy Dix, ex- coach of Executives Founders and Idealists, and also host of the Hopeful Hoosier Podcast. Andy, how are you doing, sir? What's up?
2: Wow i i I am really snowed under already, even though we don't have any snow in Indiana, because I I have got three wonderful episodes of the Hopeful Hoosier Podcast in production mm. all at once. And I just have to find time to uh, unbury it so I can get it out to the people. It's just uh, a lot of terrific interviews with some great people. Um, So I'm I'm really excited about that. But I I am really struggling, JC. Maybe you can help me out because somebody asked me a a question and I I had one quick answer and I'm still struggling with the second. So here you go. What would you say is your closing credit theme song for 2020? And then what is the opening anthem for 2021 for you um
1: well my opening just to skip there my opening is always and will always be um biggie smalls hypnotize this that's just what it is and it's just it's just it's <laughs> um, that, that that that's always going to be my answer for that there's just always is like let's just do it let's you know people are always trying to attack me to do whatever and that just it just happens to be my answer go-to answer for that but as far as the you know as, as far as the um the I, I and i would just kind of probably this might be a little cliche but closing time comes to mind by a or is it son- Sonic? I don't know. Sure. We have a musical expert on. I don't, and in, in, as our guest today, maybe he would, might be able to point out what who sings that song when we get to him. But um, yeah, closing time for sure. So um, yeah, but yeah, no, that's uh, it, it, and, and you're right. 2021 is, you know, the pandemic's not going anywhere, and the world's not suddenly changing as much as people would like it to be. And you know, it's just one of those things that. We know we're going to have to, what was the state, keep con and carry on, sort of thing. Um, and as we're doing so, um, you know, I think people are more likely to embrace a lot of the technology and the stuff that we've been doing in here in the digital, you know, internet marketing space, digital uh, entrepreneurial space for 10 years or so. Um, and I'm glad that there's people like our last guest, uh, Rich Bontrager, and then today's guest um, as well to actually kind of be guides for um, the the populace because really there's, there's, there's a lot of need out there. There's a lot of um, people that are completely lost. They've been so focused in doing things the old traditional way. Sure, they might have a little bit of – they might have like an on- online store or something like that, but to be honest, I mean, they've just – they're not prepared. And so, you know, normally I don't have two experts on, on the show who are similar in niche, back to back. And I mean, I mean, let's not pretend that by any stretch of the imagination, do I go for themes in this show? But I really think that this is a a point that we need to bring home and, and help people prepare for not only for, you know, going into 2021, but really going on into the future. And just like, you know, when Facebook, Uh, came of age and went from being a college-focused platform to one where anyone can join the internet commerce space is changing in a way that, you know, small and medium-sized businesses who hadn't really, again, embraced the web before are learning to do so. And today, more than ever, entrepreneurs have more than enough stages to get their voice out there, and one might think otherwise with all the the stuff that's going on in social media as of late. Uh, But the truth is, after a year of this online PAE, uh, the Pandemic Adjusted Economy, People are getting used to this digital playground, which us, again, internet marketers, we've been doing this for 10 years or more to push products and services. And so for you know the last 20-some years, uh, today's guest, Rich Mulholland, has been uh, training speakers to deliver life-changing presentations. He started his company, Missy and Link, in 1997 after a career as a rock and roll roadie, which he uh, operated lights nice for legendary bands, including Def Lefford and Iron Maiden. But uh, today, he works with executives and speakers around the world, really helping them deliver unforgettable presentations and, and activate audiences and, and help them generate even more income. And uh, Rich can be found at richmaholland.com. Rich, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: JC and Andy, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. What a privilege.
1: Thanks for being on. So, Rich, let's let's talk about this this missing link because there's something I'm kind of cloudy on as far as the the jump here. Um, as the story goes, you know, you had this life changing moment during uh, this UB forty show when you know you were standing on stage and watched out into the audience as this ultra bright light just shone, shone on you and, and it was probably swinging around the the stadium, and you're just wow, there's all these people. And I'm assuming up to that point. You know, you hadn't had anything, any experience quite like that. So the
0: backstory of that was that on that particular day, I was part of the lighting crew, and I'd been climbing up the stage uh, at the stage wings. It was a very, very heavy wind that day. The city was Port Elizabeth. It's it's our Chicago. It's our windy city, and. We were worried that the, the the scrim that covers the PA system, that's that big graphic on the you know on the wings of a stage was gonna come down. So my boss grabbed me and he said, Time up with me, bring a knife, we've gotta cut this thing down. The worry was even though it's a very lightweight bit of material, it looked like the stage was falling over, it would cause a trample. So I was at the top and and like that silly cliche when you're sitting on a branch and you you you're cutting you cutting the the wrong side, I was holding on to the the bar when I cut it so it pulled me off and I was actually hanging out over the audience and my, luckily my boss's side was still there and it kind of yanked me back and I stood there at the top of the stage people were screaming below uh, I was at the very 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 highest point of uh, of the the side wings and, and I started to cry and my boss came up to me said do you have a show call I said yes he said we'll move somebody to do it I want you to come and find me during the show and so during the show, the show had started, you know, it was, uh, we were a couple of songs in and he took me out, Ali Campbell was singing in the, in the you know, downstage center position. He took me off to the the wings on stage right. And he sat me down and we were waiting there for a second. And all of a sudden, these lights called Molfé, they're the big lights that really blind mm-hmm. the audience. They came on during the chorus and the whole audience went crazy. And he put his arm around me said, never forget that this is why we do it. This is what makes it mm-hmm. all worthwhile." Well. And it made me realize that this entire thing is about activating audience. The whole journey is about the audience. Uh, They are everything. In fact, the whole show is the audience. It's not the band. The band is the facilitator of an experience. And this is a lesson that stuck with me for years and years as I made the the transition from uh, rock and roll shows from a lighting point of view to corporate shows from a lighting point of view to realizing that that wasn't the real problem that we had to solve and then to get into the actual meat of how do you really activate an audience? And you don't activate an audience with great lighting when it comes to presentation. It's with great story and narrative. And so that, that's when I started okay. Missing Link when okay. I was 22.
1: So obviously there seems to be a little bit of a, a natural, you know, a couple of aha moments there. Um, what about your upbringing actually sparked something in you to actually say, hmm, there might actually be something here. And to make that actual jump from again, being that roadie to going into the, the corporate space and be, you know, starting more of your own thing. And then later, again, being like, okay, well, it's not so much this, it's, it's this.
0: So even when I was a roadie, I'd always said to my boss, offer the owner of the company, that I never actually wanted to be a stage technician. I wanted to be in the business side of things. Like I always knew that that's what excited me. And he'd said to me that he would never allow somebody to be in his business that hadn't been on the road because you can't understand what's going on. So he said to me, give me two years touring and, and then I'll take you into the office. And true to his word, that's exactly what he did. I went to him. I was the lighting designer of Smirnoff Fashion Awards. And the next day I went to his office and said, dude, it's been two years to the day, can we do this? And he was like, oh, you're wasting your talent, but let's do it. And uh, so I always wanted to be in the business side of things, but I also knew that I always wanted to run a business. The thing was, I had no idea what it was. And I thought it was about, I'd always heard this this narrative, which I now think is is dangerous, this thing about follow your passion. But I didn't know what my passion was and I didn't know what I cared about. Now, the lie of that is that people think following your passion is doing what you love. And I want to call BS on that. It's not about doing what you love. It's about doing what you hate. I can get passionate about problems that I need to solve. And and that's what made me finally make the leap to starting Missing Link. Because I realized that this, this presentation side of things was unsexy. Nobody wanted to work on it to, or to legitimize it. It was important. It mattered to the people presenting. But everybody was bad at it. And every presentation that we worked on, every conference we worked on from a staging component, all the speakers were boring. It was accepted. And I fell in love with the idea of falling in hate with that problem. And so I, I think I had it from, you know, like most of, I'm sure, the entrepreneurs that you have on your show, selling and hustling and selling stuff since I was 13 years old. I was always going to to be selling something. I just, it was only when I found something that pissed me off enough which was really bad presentations and, and just the complete and utter waste of human attention that I was, I, I think I finally found what my passion was. And I understood that chasing passion wasn't about chasing what you love. It was about finding what frustrates you and fixing it.
1: Okay. So when when you're talking about that, though, you know, for me, what I've learned, and yes, I, I agree that, you know, following your passion is definitely, if not done correctly, is, very dangerous. In fact, one of my more favorite books that I've had for years is is a, a book for millennials. Um, what, and it talks about the fact why, why they struggle to find success is because they do have this delusion of passion. And that's the name of the book, Delusion of Passion. Um, but when you pair that with your, you know, so if you're saying that the passion is where you see, where you personally see yourself fitting into the world, but then you pair that with your your purpose, right? Like where the world sees you fit and then your specific process, then I think that's when you start really talking about how you can add value to the world, right? And I think a lot of people, like when you're talking about just kind of make that jump, it's like, well, I'm interested in this and this is how I'm gonna make money. No, you gotta think about these other two things before you really start doing something that you don't have to think about too much but it really just kind of twerks something in you that you feel that you actually have, you, you know, you have the skill set, you have the interest to be that that problem fixer.
0: Right. And I guess the difference is of whether you want to get a job or you want to, you know, start a job. Like if you want to become an entrepreneur, if you want to get a job, then, you know, by all means, you can chase your passion. If you want to, you know, if you love video games and you want to be, Become a video game designer, then go for it, and, and absolutely more power to you. The one problem with things you love is that they already work. So if something already works, the addressable market is technically lower because it's, it's functional and it's harder to break in. You know, you have to do something different. But if you can find something that doesn't work well, that frustrates you about even the thing that you love, And the passion you chase is fixing that problem. Well, then you have a market because it's a long tail Mm. market. If it bothers you, it bothers other people. And if it bothers you enough you know, to pay to fix it and other people feel the same way, then you have a business. But if you go into a place that you love so much and it feels perfect and that's why you want to do it, well, then the market has already solved the problem. And you will simply be another player offering another version of the same solution. Mm. And that's problematic as an entrepreneur. You should find find a problem worth solving for your market or in your space. Now, what I've found is I can be very passionate. Right. I can still chase my passion in solving that problem. I don't have to – it's not about the bits of it that I love. I get excited about the fact that there's still work to be done, All even right. you know, right. 24 awesome. years later. I'm so what months. do you
1: think so many entrepreneurs actually pass over the, the opportunity to – you know, take their their business to the next level, and in, in your case, you know, actually getting on stage and and really, you know, doing something out of their out of their comfort zone, like going on stage or writing a book or fill in the blank. I mean, there's just seems that people will do something so much that oh, at least we're paying the bills, but then they don't go on from there. What do you think the holdback is?
0: Well. There's a number of different factors to that. Uh, Let's unpack the first bit. Uh, I think a lot of people don't go further because they've not decided what winning looks like. So they haven't created an effective victory condition. Uh, I know you guys are in Indianapolis. Uh, Gen Con is a big board game convention that happens there. And I do a lot of work with uh, entrepreneurs and things. And I use games in a lot of the work that we do. And we talk about the idea of discovering what your victory condition is. If you play a board game, the first thing I explain to you when we start going is how you win. Most people haven't defined what winning is. So they're on a treadmill. They just keep on going and going and going and going. And the only objective of this year is to be better than last year. That's not. That's very, very hard to motivate you, and it's very, very hard to let you understand what success feels like. And also, if that is your victory condition, you'll stumble as soon as something uh, like what we experienced last year happens. Whereas for me, I simply have. I still have to fulfill my condition of victory, no matter what happens. So all I've got to do is find out in the new game state that exists. How do I play my next my next hand? And that's why we, you know, we adapted within minutes and hours of uh, losing our revenue down to zero last year. Uh, and we were able to, because we simply worked out, well, what is the next step we have to take moving forward towards victory? So I think this is different to having a strategy and even having a big, hairy, audacious goal you know, out there. I think having functional conditions of victory and not doing that, hold people back, having strategic destinations. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I don't I think, and this kind of goes to what we were talking about, about taking to the stage. If you are an entrepreneur that fixes a problem or fills a gap, you have a central core hypothesis. You've realized that there's a problem in the world that needs fixing or filling, and that's an an area for you to to have an opinion about. That's an area for you to take to the stage. Now, I think any entrepreneur who is also a thought leader, who's speaking on stages, has an unfair advantage over one that isn't. I believe that stage marketing is the missing trick that most entrepreneurs aren't taking advantage of. And right now, there have never been more stages available. There's more opportunities for you to speak and share. If you can solve a problem for somebody, there's a stage waiting for you to solve it on. And I think that we need to be considering stage marketing as part of our marketing mix. About and right now, that's even part of your digital marketing mix because you know you're standing in your living room, you're doing a presentation to somebody halfway around mm-hmm. the world, and you're marketing your business at the same time. This is critical really cool part that we should be getting into our into our marketing uh, uh, cachet.
2: Rich, I, I love what you're saying there, and so much of doing business right now, out of necessity, has been sent to the online video platform, Zoom, or, or what other one of, of choice. And the question, though, is for what advice would you have for that reluctant presenter who's trying to captivate a Zoom audience with a presentation?
0: Andy, the, the, the first thing is you're not trying to captivate them with a presentation. You're trying to captivate them with a narrative, with a story. If I can create an itch in you, uh, you'll be looking for the scratch. So what the most important thing is, and is, is one of the things when people explain to me, ask me about building their personal brand. For most people, I say, don't build your brand. That's very difficult. Build the bar- brand of the problem that you're uniquely positioned to solve. Uh, we talk about the dragon. When you're speaking on stage, first, you know, you have to help your audience. Your job number two is to help your audience slay their dragon. Uh, job number one is to help them see it. If you, are a reluctant, if you believe wholeheartedly that your customers or your audience has a problem that they should solve, and you believe that they need to have that solved and that you can help them do that, that you provide value by being there, well, then that reluctancy should be gone because people need you to share their story to help them be better versions of themselves. And as soon as that lands for you, as soon as you realize, wait a minute, I've seen something that they've not seen. If they see this and they then do this, then they'll be in better shape than if I didn't speak up. And then you realize, well, sure, but I, you know, I need to actually stand up and lead loud. And that's what we suggest people do, is that we hear all these tropes about leaders listen. No, leaders speak. Show me any leaders anywhere in the world, and I'll show you, true leaders, and I'll show you somebody standing with their fist in the air with a, a mob in front of them ready to go. That leadership involves you going out there and finding your voice. So if you are a, a leader, a thought leader, or a leader of other people, and you have a problem that you think you can solve and you're reluctant because you're not sure if you're good enough, go out there and try it. You're not gonna be good enough the first time, but you're gonna get better each and every time you do it.
2: So I love the, the image of telling people how to slay their dragons. That's, uh, that's a great image to keep in mind. But not everyone is going to be, shall we say, the, the best dragon slayer out there. And so what would, must someone never do in a presentation
0: well don't make it about you unless you're a motivational speaker who's standing up there trying to uh, you know tell your personal story we always talk about stories and presentations and everyone thinks oh we've got to just tell a good story no nobody cares about your story right nobody wants to hear about you they care about their own story and you're only important insofar as that you can make their version of themselves better by virtue of listening to what you have to say so the first thing is, that, is to understand exactly what it is, what your job is uh, to do when you get on stage. And I mean, there's a whole bunch of, of do's and don'ts, and we can get into maybe the details of being a speaker. But the next thing is, is stop, if you, for um, even when you realize that you've got this tool to help people, it's not about selling the ambulance, right? It's not about selling the cure. It's about selling the accident. If you sell the accident, the ambulance sells itself. A lot of presenters or even, let's say, take this from a point of view of an entrepreneur standing in front of a customer. They stand up there and they talk about their solution. But nobody needs your solution if they don't think they have the problem. Your job is to sell the ambulance and then the accident will solve itself. Uh, So we need to just be very, very clear what our job is when we get on stage. And the next most important thing is starting with what you want them to do. Every presentation is very, very simple. You have to deliver a message to achieve a result. You have to decide the first thing you do before you get on stage ever is, what is the result I'm hoping for? What do I want my audience to do differently because I was here? You start with that and then you work back. We have four steps. We say you gotta give them a reason to care. Then you gotta give them a reason to believe. Then you gotta tell them what they need to know. And finally, you gotta tell them what they need to do. When you start preparing for a presentation, I just want you to work through that list backwards. And just work through it. Find out what is it, you know, what is it I want my audience to do? And then to go back and say, well, what do they need to know in order to do that? And then I would even skip the step and say, well, why should they care about it in the first place? And finally, Mm. why should they trust me anyway? There's a small little section of presentation where you're buying their trust around the topic of interest. But for the most part, uh, that's not the presentation. And that's what most people make it, all about me. Nobody cares about you. That sounds horrible, but it's true
1: <laughs> for me having a little bit of a background in and being a an educator and, and, you know, being in front of classes and, and having that that natural audience, you know, it it, it really helped me because when I was in communication class back at Purdue, like I sucked at getting my message out there. But it wasn't until I became a, a, a graduate instructor that I was able to start having that presentation frame of mind and and really just becoming more of the of the mediator and or, or the facilitator um, of of the audience and for me which is really interesting is that when I'm on zoom part of a group on zoom right I have a different feel like I, I feel like I'm back in the classroom than when I've had a few opportunities to do formal speaking and for me it's it's such an more natural feel because you feel like you're actually engaging with those that are around you. Um, How do you actually feel digital platforms are changing the dynamic of being an actual speaker?
0: Well, I think they're an upgrade in almost every, every form. So I think that presenting on Zoom is in many ways a feature and not a bug. You know, we, a lot of people get, get caught up trying to get all sexy and build these big studio environments, you know, and they, they, they're spending a fortune with, I mean, I don't mean home studio environments. I mean, going to an actual studio and making it feel like a television show, but it's unnecessary. The fact that I'm up close and personal with my audience is incredible. The The fact that I can ask them questions and they can engage back in real time is amazing. Uh, The fact that I have so much control over uh, many, many different aspects of what I want to do and and that I can do all of that, you know, and then have lunch with my wife five minutes later is is just unbelievable. And why it's exciting in in this kind of great acceleration is that that the future will be hybrid. The future isn't going to, you know, I can't stand this idea of this new normal. Uh, I think like forget normal altogether, just Let's just nuke normal and, and move on. But what excites me is the idea that going forward, we're gonna have hybrid events. We're gonna have events that use both digital and in-person uh, tools, that, and we'll all be better because of what we've learned to do. And because people are presenting more and more this way, I think the level of presentation is getting, is getting better. But it does require some reframing and some thinking. You know, The one thing I will say is that in the past, a job of a speaker was to hold your audience's attention uh, today, the job of a speaker is to interrupt your audience's distraction. You've got to assume that you've lost them. You know that they, you know, you're one second away from them. If they're bored for a millisecond, they're in their email, and your job is to win them back and to figure out how can I keep winning my audience back over and over and over again. Stand-up stand comedians talk about, uh, you know, making your audience laugh every 20 to 30 seconds. Well, speakers in today's day and age have to reinterrupt your audience's distraction every 30 to 60 seconds. You've lost them every minute. You've got to win them back. And as soon as I wrapped my head around that, it became a fun challenge.
2: I, I really like what you're saying there, Rich, because especially with notifications and distractions and pets and other people in a Zoom environment that we're, that we're in, uh, this distraction is such the norm. And I, I don't even think that a lot of times the audience... Uh, is very aware of how distracted they are. So how as a speaker, can when we look at what we want to say, find those moments that are going to be attention grabbing, and ways, what ways can we use to win back the attention of that audience? So
0: there's a couple of cheap little tricks. The first thing is, uh, we talk about having comment storms. Almost all applications nowadays have some ability to chat, just like we have right here. Uh, actually ask your audience something not all polls have to be formal why turn around and say hey everybody so excited to be here everyone can just tell me where they are right now in the world I just have to get a sense of who I'm talking to and you give your audience permission to engage that's the most important thing audiences used to be passive participants or used to be passive attendees really, now they're active participants, Mm -hmm. so we have to move them and give them permission to go from being a passive uh, attendee to say hey you're part of this now just jump in, chat. If there's anything you, I say that you think's funny, just you know, give me a laughy emoji and I know that I'm on track. And they do. And that's the first thing. And then throughout my presentation, I might say something like, hey, guys, um, oh, I mean, I'm reading this great book at the moment on Audible. It's by Matthew McConaughey. It's called uh, Green Lights. If you've not seen it, and I'll say to somebody like, listen, if somebody wouldn't mind, jump onto Audible and just find me the link and paste it in here. And I put my audience to work and somebody runs away and a few minutes later, some links appear and I say thank you and I chat to them. So I keep somebody engaged that way, then somebody else is clicking on the link, but they're distracted within the context of my talk. So I might I might ask somebody to throw a link down, and I know that my audience, I've lost them, you know, they're going to go look at something else, and I've given them the distraction their brain desires, but then I can bring them back in. And the way I might do that, and this is going to sound so stupidly simple that I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I'll say something like, All right, guys. Now, on this next slide that I'm about to show you, there's four words. And these four words are so simple, but I promise you, if you put them into action, they'll, they'll really, really change the way you perceive whatever it is we're talking about. And I say, so these four words, I'm going to put them on screen. I just want you to sit and read them to yourself. Now, if I say that, I have, they have to come back. They're like, oh, crap. You know, I don't want to miss this. So I bring them back. I create a sense of FOMO. And by using these little things, like as you can see on this slide here, as this image so well represents, and then your audience come back to what image, and then they'll come back in to have a look. The next thing, I guess, on that then is is when it comes to your slides, you know, m- less to the power of more. Have less information on your slides. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's, a, that's not just in online presentations, but you can have more slides. So I go through… It used to be that I'd be on roughly a slide a minute when I was presenting. Now I want a slide every you know, 30 seconds or so and I'm changing them and I'm moving through them so that the audience knows that if they go away for too long, they'll miss something. So you have got to train your audience into that's what's happening. And then finally, of course, you can use tools like polls and uh, you know the actual polls that are built into a broadcast or Zoom or Webinar Jam or whatever platform you happen to be using. So you can use those tools, t- tools and pre-prepare them And uh, just so that you trigger those off and keep your audience engaged that way. And then finally, finally, you can use your voice modulation, small little things. I lean in a lot. So first of all, I always stand when I present. I'm standing right now because that way I can lean in and I can engage with them that way and I can pull back and I can change the way my voice goes and get excited about something and then bring them back down. Mm -hmm. So you have to use all the tricks. It will make you a better presenter because it's become harder because there's more distraction. This is why you have to take advantage. If you can, it's easier to do more talks online. If you can take advantage and do ten talks this year and make that your goal, uh, you will be a far better presenter than you've ever been at any point in your life. When you get onto the stage, it will feel like a breeze. Sorry, that was a very long answer, but I got carried away.
2: <laughs> very, very good. Great tips. The one thing that we haven't really touched on, though, and I know it's a imp- A passion point for you is in the marketing, the selection of the story itself, using Stages as a marketing platform. There's so many different key points from a speaker's perspective that you want to share. How do you coach somebody to think like the audience, though, and anticipate what's going to matter to that audience, not just what matters to the speaker themselves?
0: Well, There's two ways to do that. The hard way is to try to anticipate what your audience will care about and the easy way is to try and make your audience care about what you want them to care about. So that's why the first step of our presentation is to give your audience a reason to care. Your job is to make them to create a gap in their mind so they care about what it is you're about to tell them. That's, that's the most important beginning. If you cannot, if you can't convince your audience that what you say matters up front and if you can't make them curious. Well, then, then, you know, it's a, it's a whole bunch. It's very, very difficult. You know, the old thing is people always say, you know, your audience, you cannot know your audience, you can know the context of your audience. or the context of the event you're speaking at, and you can know your mandate, but your job is not to go to where your audience is, but to bring your audience to where you live and to where you exist. And once you can figure out how to do that, and often it could just be with just the, the first two or three minutes of your presentation can get your audience on the hook. You know, it's like when somebody tells you a story and you gasp or you get goosebumps, that's because you feel like you were there. If you can get your audience to feel like they're part of whatever story you're telling them at the beginning and give them that feeling, then you've got them on the hook. Now they want to know, you know, who did it. they want to know the the, 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 the punchline of the joke. And once you get them there you're in great shape that's so much easier than trying to predict what you think they would be interested in create that interest
1: Hmm. you know you've expressed that um you don't like the phrase the new normal in your in your youtube channel and i've personally become accustomed to again using the phrase pandemic adjusted economy but let's face it, I mean, all the pandemic has really done um, it, when it comes to business has moved up the timeline of people embracing this, this new technology. Um, one easy way to get started in this new technology if you're an iOS user is uh, Clubhouse and getting on there as soon as possible. And while I can't experience it myself because I'm an Android user, what I've been able to hear and understand is that it is essentially you have your own audio show or can have your own audio show like this one but in real time that you know you're able to utilize some of the things that we've already talked about today um, what are some of the other steps that that people can make sure that they're they're doing or being proactive about so they're not ending up like a dinosaur and get moving with the times and, and staying relevant.
0: Yes, there's a whole bunch of tech. Uh, funny, I'm an Android user as well, so uh, I'm also uh, having a little bit of FOMO about Clubhouse at the moment because I also do think it's a great way to, to, to share your story. I will say, and this is maybe a small little tech thing, less of a, a large social, but I would strongly suggest that if you haven't... I, I gave Prezi a look a few years ago and I kind of ignored it as more novelty than utility. But in the online space, Prezi is an absolute game changer. You can take your PowerPoint or your Keynote file, import it straight in there, and have your slides appear picture-in-picture. That makes you the message and uh, not the slides, like if you share your slides on a Zoom or a Teams presentation. Using Prezi Video, it's the easiest thing. I promise you, it takes you five minutes to figure out how to get your slides into Prezi Video, and you will look slicker then, then 90% of the other presenters out there instantly. I bring it up in sales meetings and our client's eyes just go wide. And they're like, how do you do that? It's so easy, but they've just not seen it done that way before. So crazy video is a tool that I would strongly suggest uh, um, that, that they consider, that your listeners consider. Um, I also just want to go back a little bit, sorry, to the last question. I realized I kind of missed out one little thing. I think it's very, very important that everybody figures out what their area of authority is. What is the corner of the universe that you want to own? And that's one of the biggest things that most speakers stumble over, most most entrepreneurs stumble over, is they, they want to own a general space. So they might want to own marketing or even digital marketing. But that's too wide a net that you'll be casting. You've got to go deeper and deeper and deeper and to think, hey, what is one problem that exists somewhere in the world that I can own the solution to? And if you can find that, you already have your audience on the hook.
2: Hmm. I like that a lot, Rich. I, I think uh, knowing that there is value in what you're doing and, and then being able to communicate that value is, is more like con- having the audience confirm that, yes, we, we agree there is a problem here and this is a valid solution. And if you can get agreement, you can you can change uh, that problem into a, a viable solution. I, I like that a lot. You know, as the pandemic uh, continues to roll on here for the foreseeable future with us forced into isolation, I know you've talked about one great pivot that you made real quickly early on. But what grand, pa- what grand plans have you created to thrive in 2021?
0: Yeah, so 2021 for us, the best thing that happened. So we were already thinking, our Okay, let me go back a little bit. We as a business saw ourselves as a solution to boring. We realized that boring was the enemy. Boring presentations are terrible. We sold ourselves as boredom slayers. My one book is actually called Boredom Slayer. And so we built these super exciting offices with shooting ranges and tattoo studios in it and a fireman's pole and a slide and we thought that our office was everything and it became such a part of our marketing, but it became an anchor because I felt that if you couldn't drive to our office, then you weren't really getting the missing link experience. Now, we already realized that that was problematic because we had a geographical anchor to only doing business within the Johannesburg region or the greater South African region. I live down in Cape Town, two hours flight away. So this was frustrating me. Then all of a sudden, uh, we, were, we were trying to get our customers to speak more and to do more work on Zoom. But for the most part, they wanted to deal with local suppliers or somebody they could you know, invite over for a cup of coffee. The best thing that has happened now is those geographical handcuffs have been removed. So now we're doing work all over the world. And that is absolutely, I know this is is, almost embarrassed. I never realized how easy it was to be an international company until last year. Hmm. And last year, I had to become an international company because we had to figure out how to earn income from other sources than our traditional clients. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you guys have experienced that at all, but People are now willing to do work. I've got a it's uh, seven p.m. tonight. I've got a, my next call is at eleven thirty p.m. It's a big pitch for a, a big, large international law firm, and it just happens to take place at eleven thirty p.m. And that's because we're working with companies all over the world. This is the year we've chosen ten logos of well, we've chosen twenty logos of twenty big companies, and we have those on our company strategy document. And we're going to be working with ten of them by the end of the year. And in the past, I would have said this is a big, hairy, audacious goal. Now I just think it's a decision. I've decided to work with those what, 10 of those 20 companies. I would say 50% of them have a chance of not working with us. The other 50%, I'm afraid they're stuck. And that's what's happened. I just realized it's too easy. There's no reason why I cannot be working with the biggest companies in the world. And neither can you. You've just We've been thinking too small. We've been thinking too parochially, too locally. And, and that's the biggest change for me. 2021 is the the... Um, the year that the, we really, really unleash ourselves upon the world, mm. we're already doing it with the speakers we work with. We work with speakers, you know, right across the globe. But we want to be dealing with the big organizations, like the big corporations we've been dealing with in South Africa. We want to be dealing with those ones everywhere, and I can see no good reason why they shouldn't be dealing with us rather than a a company that's uh, neighboring them.
1: Yeah, mm. uh, that's it's it. When you start getting into those larger companies, it's, it's definitely rewarding. But man, the the game is. Is definitely a longer game. I will say that I've, we've had to do, learn that the hard way ourselves this year. So, but yeah, that that should be awesome. As we're wrapping things up here, uh, we always en- end with the rapid fire question segment. And one of the questions that I I think that you have probably a lot of relevancy and and really just a different perspective than most would is one question that I always ask about the the, the, the curriculum of primary uh, schools or high school here in the states and. You know, if you could add one song, one book, and one film to the curriculum, what would those be?
0: Okay, well, l- let me start with the the book, and it's purely right now, just because I'm so enamored with it is that Matthew McConaughey Green Lights book. Mm. I think that it'll go up to be one of my favorite books. It's such a genuine story, so well told, and I think what it will do is it will turn uh, everybody who listens to it into a journaler. Uh, because it's got his journals for the last 35 years and he's kept a note of it. Uh, And um, I just, I'm just absolutely completely nothing enamored with the story, the narrative, what he's saying, but also how he's saying it. And, and I really would love more and more people to just hear that and think about it. The, as for, as for a book, sure, there's so many that I would like to think about for me, my, my selfish narrative is I want people to, to, uh, change their relationship with uh, speaking and presenting. And I think there's a book called Confessions of a Public Speaker by Sp- Scott Birkin. And I, I think it gives people a very, very different mindset of presentation than what schools teach us. Um, s- schools teach kids. Kids come out of school hating presenting, hating power, uh, you know, the presentations and orals. And I think this book, while not being a guide to presenting, it's just a really, really it, it almost lets you see the other side of it where it can be really, really cool. And and I, I would love people to be more exposed to that way of thinking and to for you to leave school straight away thinking, hey, I, you know, I have a voice and, and I can I can yeah, put it out there. And then as for a song. My selfish answer would be uh, anything by the band Rise Against, just because I believe that everybody should be into punk rock. And the reason I think that everybody should be into punk rock is I think that every social change we see in the world today, uh, punk rock bands have been singing about for 15, 20 years. And a punk rock bands lead the way. My favorite band is a band called Rise Against based in Chicago. And uh, uh, probably my favorite song of theirs is a, a song called Satellite. But I'm not sure that would be the song that would change the way kids uh, see things. But I do believe that music should be more than something you listen to. Music should be something that moves you. And I think some of this more accessible punk rock music can can, really, really create, it it empowered me and changed me and it put a value system inside me when I was a kid, made me want to be a better person and made me want to challenge the status quo. And and I think all of us need to to be listening to music that our parents wouldn't approve of uh, when we're young. And I think that's a really good place to start.
2: (laughs) That's great. Rich, what's something that you've learned recently that you're excited to implement? (laughs)
0: I've learned recently that, um, okay, so that I am implementing, Uh, I've learned recently that I can type and walk at the same time. So as I stand here right now, I'm standing on a walking pad. Uh, I've been using it since I came back to work this year and I get through about 10 kilometers. I'm not sure what that is exactly in miles um, every single day. And I really believe that people should be moving more Uh, throughout the day. I've also tried to, uh, and I'm trying to make this consistent, uh, I do micro workouts. So I have these pings every hour and I go, I've got a pull-up bar and I go and do three pull-ups. And I know it sounds like a crazy thing to say on a business podcast, but finding ways to create physical exercise throughout your day. I'm feeling a little bit flat. I've been walking, getting things going, creating movement. And then I go and I bang out a couple of pull-ups and I just come back feeling really, really turned on. I think you've got to find ways. I, there's a guy called Dan Vinson based in Colorado and he's got a, a, a monkey podcast and he talks about all day exercise and the importance of breaking your workout into the whole day. So that's something I've been excited to really, really try and make part of my routine so much so that I put these little alarms in my phone and it's not just about walking away from my desk. It's actually about trying to burn proper calories and switch my brain. on. So I've become quite obsessed with that of late.
1: What's the name of the the walking
0: platform you're using? It's the R1 Pro. The, it's called the Walking Pad R1 Pro. Cool, cool. It's super cool. I'm in love with it. <laughs> nice. Oh, and can, I share, can I share one other yeah. little thing? Because it's just a new gadget that I've been yeah. trying. Yeah. It's a tool called, and this is for people when you're in a lockdown and you're not allowed to kind of go and run outside and things If that, if that happens. It's called a Moon Runner. And it basically is a running tether that you tether yourself to a mount and it's got all these sensors in it and you run against it. And I was skeptical about it, but it's surprisingly fun. So I, I hook it up to a mount above my door and one of those TRX mounts, and I just sprint. And there's all these apps to control how fast you're going in intervals. And it's surprisingly better than I thought it would be. So that's just related, but cool. <laughs> Worth checking out if you, if you want to go for a run, but you don't want to leave your home.
1: That sounds pretty cool. I like that. Uh, if you could spend one day doing a job or running a business that you're currently not, what would that be?
0: Okay. So this definitely goes against what I said about chasing your passion, but I'd really like to, like I fantasize about owning a board game cafe where all I do all day long is is play games with people and teach them how to play. And my wife would be in there. She would, she would love to, I mean, my wife's an artist, but like if it was one day she would come in and she'd help me run it. So that'd be a lot of fun for me. If I could run a board game cafe, that's like the best one you've ever been to and make people realize that, that board games are cool, then I would absolutely be all over that. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a retirement dream for me for now, but, but, but I keep, I keep flirting with it. I can
2: almost be now that, that just, sounds
1: well, there's awesome. actually, Andy, there's one up on 86th street, um, dragons and brews or something like that. I'm I, maybe I'm mixing two, 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 uh, cool restaurants together, but <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a thing. And yeah, no, I love it. That's, that's cool.
2: So, Rich, name one thing under a hundred dollars that's changed your life for the better.
0: Uh, I bought a thing called the Go Cube. It's a, a Rubik's Cube tutorial. So it's it's a Bluetooth controlled Rubik's Cube. Well, not Rubik's, but like whatever speed cube. But because you know, I know Rubik's is a brand name, and I bought it in Dubai Airport coming home from a speaking gig, and it teaches you. There's a little app, and it teaches you how to solve a Rubik's Cube. I do, I, I must, I've got a, a cube in my hand here, you can hear it, and I must solve Rubik's Cubes because my brain always has to be solving things. Like I've always got to be doing something and I basically solve it and shuffle it about 20, 30 times a day and I'm always doing it on calls with people. And there's always that moment where they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you can do that so quickly. And it's become my party trick. And I'm not the guy, I'm not the 46 year old with a Rubik's Cube that can solve that in front of people. <laughs> and um, it's it was so fun learning to do that. And it's so easy. It was like one flight. On by the time I landed in Cape Town from Dubai, I could. It still used to take me about 10 minutes at a time. Now I'm down to just under two minutes. But on the flight from Dubai to uh, uh, Cape Town, I figured out that I could actually solve a Rubik's cube. So it's a little device called a Go Cube, and it's my guilty nerdy pleasure that I strongly <laughs> suggest you check out. Oh, That's awesome. so cool. I know that's not really the life-changing thing. If there was one other life-changing thing that I could add on there, there's probably more financially life-changing. I bought myself last year a subscription to fool.com, the Motley Fool. They they have a a, a kind of stock picker newsletter. Mm -hmm. And it really, really has made me financially smarter and a better investor. So I've really, really enjoyed that as well. That's $90 for a year.
1: Hmm. Cool. I'll definitely have those up in the show notes. Uh, Final question. How... Does someone realize that they're living their personal mission? Uh, again, we've talked about that a little bit uh, already during this conversation, but how does someone actually realize that they're already currently doing it?
0: I think maybe the the more important question is for most people is to realize that you're probably not doing it and to stop accepting that. I think most people aren't living their uh, and you'll know it when you when you wake up in the morning and you feel satisfied, or when you go to bed and you you know you feel content. But if there's a lack of contentment, then you're probably not yet living your uh, your personal you know mission or vision or, or what you want to mm-hmm. be. And it's to try and actually figure out what that is. I think the main reason that most people aren't is they haven't decided what that should be. Uh, and what I would like to also suggest that you do is unshackle that from purpose. Uh, feeling that you have a purpose and that, that you have a reason for being here gives you a romantic notion that there's some big higher, you know, and you know maybe if you're religious or spiritual that is true for you. But separating that aspect of your personal purpose outside of that, uh, I think that if you can if you can separate that and realize, hey, there's not predestined. I can decide at any given time uh, what I'm going to do and what's going to make this successful. It can become massively empowering. Mm-hmm. And just to realize that it's not about having a purpose, but it's about having an intention and chase that intention.
1: Hmm. Love that. That's, that's, uh, that, that. I like that a lot, actually. Um, that's good. Uh, again, Rich, well, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Uh, people can find you personally on your own website, Rich Mahalland, spelled. Your last name is spelled M-U-L-H-O-L-L-A-N-D.com. Where can people find you on the socials?
0: Uh, Rich Mulholland, uh, pretty much everywhere on Instagram or Rich Mulholland on Twitter. and um, But if you just go to getrich.af, uh, then getrich.af is one of those link farms that will take you to links to my company, to a speaker program, to my YouTube channel, uh, to everything there. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rich.
2: All the best to success and uh, we hope you have a prosperous 2021.
0: Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me. And I really, really hope the same for both of you and your listeners as well.
1: So there you have it. You know, I love how Rich expressed how he fell in love with the idea of falling in hate with the problem he's been helping people with since 97. And he certainly knows his craft. And I'm sure we can all learn something from him. in fact, most of us know how bad presentations can get. So I'm sure just following some of the tips that Rich has shared with us here, and on his YouTube channel will put us miles ahead of where we've been at. Speaking of his YouTube channel, I have a couple of videos from it in the show notes extras. They include a few more good nuggets, but also his talk from TEDx Pretoria. So in the first video in the conversation, Rich talked about Prezi as a great tool to use during Zoom presentations. So in the first video, he shows a little bit about how he actually uses it. Then in the next video, Rich shares with us a bit more in detail on how we can make better Zoom presentations ourselves. But then the next one is really kind of the other side of the coin with that and and the fact that you're going to be part of the audience yourself. So you'll probably want to make sure that you're maximizing your time there as well. And his advice in the third video is really all about engaging with the presenter. And finally, his TEDx presentation is all about the importance of taking action. And I think that's something that I think we could all benefit from going into 2021 and beyond. So plenty of great tips from Rich as we wrap things up for 196. So that is a wrap for 196. Be sure to join me on the Groove Digital Journey. It's such a great tool. Keeps getting better and better. So again, you can get started today at newinceptions.com/slash groove digital. With that said, thanks for spending some time with Rich, Andy, and me. And until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care in whatever you're creating. And we'll see you back here next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions, on Twitter, at New Inceptions, Instagram, at new.inceptions, and on the web at
2: newinceptions.com.